and uh, welcome back to the Y Hockey Periodically Podcasting While Sick during the Playoffs Podcast. I am either going through one of the worst allergy attacks I've ever gone through, or it might be COVID. I don't know. But the Florida Panthers are in the playoffs. This season is too important to fag uh, out. We got to be tough, right? We have to. We have to play and podcast through everything. Absolutely, my brother. And, uh, you know, if this was an official sports broadcast, uh, we would be doing at intermission uh, the the best odds for whether you have allergies or COVID. So, you know. Well, if I had COVID, I wouldn't be in the booth. Sponsored by Crypto.com. If it was, if it was, al- if it was allergies, uh, thankfully I'd still be in the booth, but I would, uh, I'd be thinking of some different things to do. Uh, if it was COVID, I'd be at home where I am now. So uh, let's talk about these two games. Apologies for waiting a little longer to get this to you than we would have liked, but we've been busy, and I've also been not feeling the best. So, you know, watching a playoff game while either having a mild case of COVID or a really, really bad allergy attack is something I didn't really want to experience, but I have done. And uh, I think the Panthers kind of played with an allergy attack in Game 1 and eventually figured it out in Game 2 once they took their Sudafed. Maybe that was a a weird bounce? I don't know. My thoughts about these two games are, are... are interesting. On, on the one hand, very Panthers to lose game one and very Panthers to get, like, trapped. You know, the way to beat the best scoring team since 1995 and 96 is to be the 95-96 Panthers. But I also thought by the end of game two, they had figured it out a little bit. And Andrew Burnett, I was listening to his press conference. He was talking about how they, they were probably a little nervous in game one. And you could tell. I think they were a little nervous at the start of game two because they heard the noise. But then eventually, I think... Once they got the goals, once they got the four-minute kill, I think at that point they just relaxed and realized, all right, we're, we're going to be okay here. We're pretty good. And I can't honestly blame them for being a little nervous when you have the season that they've had and you're going up against an eight seed and an eight seed with some questions, let's say. I'm not surprised they were a little nervous in game one. They kind of played like it because they, they looked like they didn't really know how to get past the trap, which I get the trap sucks. But it's not like the Capitals are the stars of the Flames or Carolina. Eventually, they figured it out. And to me, I think the biggest difference from last year to this year is we saw what happened in Game 2 last year against Tampa where they just locked it down and the Panthers couldn't do anything. This year, it looked like they learned some lessons from that. And that's a good sign heading into the games on the road. I, I wasn't as down on Game 1 as a lot of other people. I thought it basically came down to a couple mental mistakes, two or three in the third period. Um, I expected them to be basically the road team in the first period. I knew Washington had the experience. I knew that they would be coming out with something to prove. Ovechkin would be coming back. Ovechkin doesn't do anything passive. He always wants to set the tone. Um, You know, Laviolette is similar in that fashion. So I knew what to expect from them. And, and I just thought if they could get past the opening salvo, they'd be fine. The problem was, you know, obviously they got into penalty trouble and they were down one, nothing just after they killed a penalty. So like the four minute penalty killed off, if they were able to kill off that penalty and get some momentum, maybe game one goes different. But instead, what was it, four or five seconds after that penalty ended? Something that, like that. The goal that, was yeah. Wilson scored or something. You know, it was pretty quick right after. Um, so they couldn't get any momentum from that kill. Um, for, or two kills, really. <laughs> um, and and what's funny to do about that bat. is even after that, they scored that early goal in the second with Giroux, and I thought that was a bad goal by Vanacek. And at that point, I'm like, 
oh, if they're giving up these goals, here, here we go. Yeah, and yeah. I think the Capitals just buckled down after that. And I think their penalty kill was good. You know, I think that they're getting good performances out of Backstrom and Oshie in the first couple games was, was really helpful for them. And, and I think there's, there was a lot of talk about Mackenzie Weger after um, game one. And what have we said about Mackenzie Weger all season? And really, for three years now, like, we love him. But the problem with Mackenzie Weger is sometimes I think he thinks he has to do everything himself. And last year, we definitely saw that in the playoffs, and Tampa picked on him. This year, I thought, okay, Aaron Eckblad's back. He's going to do the tougher things defensively. He's going to allow Mackenzie Weger to play a little bit more within himself. He does not have to do the things that would, you know, cause him to hold back, so to speak, in the way he plays. And then he made, obviously, a bad play, ran right into Ovechkin because he tried to do too much. And the third goal was, again, uh, a play where they tried to do a little too much against a trap. They got frustrated, and you could see what happened. But what I liked in Game 2 is, even when they were not generating a ton of offense, they did a really, a much better job of not taking the same level of risks. I don't think the defensemen were playing anywhere near as hog wild, and that was a good sign. Like, maybe a little adjustment in saying, hey, maybe make that first pass. You know, maybe be a little simpler on that zone exit. Or maybe, again, if you got to dump it in, dump it in. Don't go crazy here. We know we can beat them, and we know we're going to get our chances. And eventually they did. And I think when you go on the road, you just have to be a little bit smarter and play within themselves just from a defensive standpoint. And I think because in many ways this is the first time we've seen these six play together, because when Ekblad went out, Sherratt came in. And so I can understand that there's a little bit of a some chemistry things that might be going on there, even though Uyghur and Ekblad obviously have played together a ton, but we haven't seen Sherratt and Montour play together, and this is a team that's coached to be all out all the time. But they, re- they took a little bit in reserve in Game 2, and I think that's an important lesson when you go on the road. And the Capitals are not a good home team, you know, not anywhere near the same level Florida is, not anywhere near the same the average you know, playoff team is. So I think if they just play within themselves a little bit smarter – just the defensemen saying, we don't have to take this risk. I think that they, if they can continue to do that, then I think the offense comes a little easier because we know what happens when they try too hard to force things, and that's when they make mistakes. And I was talking with Sammy Silver about that, and I said, if you can get the Panthers to force stuff, if you get them to play while they're standing still or play when they're not in motion, you can beat them. And that's what we saw at the end of Game 1. But in Game 2... They were much more reserved, but they were still playing within themselves. And that was the key adjustment I saw. And if they play like that, then I think they can figure out a way to get through that yeah. trap. Or, or conversely, sometimes they play too nonchalantly or too, you know, cocky. And, you know, that kind of dovetails into what I think is the issue with Uyghur and what keeps him from being... You know, I think Uyghur could go and be a number one on some team if he could correct this problem, which is, you know, I don't think it's, I think he could play more hero ball. I think he could dominate more if he did it without being so lax, so nonchalant, so like cavalier about his puck management. And if he just, you know, you can go at Ovi and dish the puck off and, you know, I, I don't think he was so wrong in what he was doing. 
but he tried to isolate and 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 beat someone one on one when he should have isolated, you know, Ovi to draw in a little more or to ha- add more deception to his pass, um, his breakout pass, um, and you know those little things he's definitely capable of. He has the talent, he has the skill level. I mean, we've we've been some of his biggest you know supporters and backers since he entered the league but you know that's his his undoing and i think what's it, so key about that is in the playoffs that stuff gets targeted yeah and, and, that stuff and the thing you. and the thing with Uyghur is he is a leader and the other defensemen follow him so when he plays like that montour plays like that forsling it is is a you know those types of defensemen who, who, who would follow Uyghur, you know, Gudis is not, you know, going to, isn't, is kind of independent of that, but, you know, Sherratt and, and that kind of Hog and, and those defensemen are. But, you know, they all, fo- you know, Montour, Forsling, like they follow, and, and Carlson even follow that example of Uyghur. And when he plays like that, they do the same thing. Like they kind of play straight legged, they play, kind of lax with the puck, you know, coming out from behind the net that or, or going to get the puck behind the net or, um, you know, picking up a puck in the neutral zone after it's been shipped out of the zone. And that turns into a turnover and quickly a breakaway or a turn two on one or something after a couple of shifts of Bob or night being stretched out and it allows a goal against. And, and it's, you know, in the, playoffs those things are magnified because over seven games these teams are so close it does come down to one or two things in one game that tips the scales so it's always going to be something it's always going to be one defenseman or you know no one's behind you as a defenseman Fords can make those plays at the far blue line and and not really get burnt but if you know Uyghur is always the last man in man back when he's doing those plays and, and that's why it hurts so much I think that overall, again, the improvement from game one to game two was a lot of that. I think also once they just realized, okay, let's, we're going to score on them at some point. I don't know what it was that, that triggered it, but eventually they realized, okay, we're going to score on them. Maybe it was the weird Marchment goal that came right after, you know, Bob gave up a bad one and then Vanacek gave up an equally bad one. And then I think at that point they just said, okay, we're, we're going to be all right here. They knew that at that point, because I, one of the things I was saying in game one is they didn't test Vanacek enough. They had 30 shots, but I thought there were a lot of empty calorie stuff. They did not test him. And the one thing I think we all knew is that you've got to test these guys because at some point their confidence is going to be shattered. What are you going to do? And I don't think game one they did that. I don't think Vanacek played particularly great. He didn't have to. Washington was just so good defensively. And then in game two, when they got a couple bursts on him, that's when things... You know, the, fir- the first goal was a fluke. The second goal is an incredible skill play. You know, the third, and the, fir- the third and fifth goals were bad. But, like, at that point, once it goes, like, and I think the thing for the Panthers is, is, you know, once that confidence got going, then you could say, okay, now they're playing like themselves again. And I could tell that, you know, they were gripping their sticks a little tightly at times in those games because, again, I think they, they had not played with any pressure all year and hadn't really faced adversity. But this was a good test to show that they could overcome that. And I think just overall, like, I don't think there's any been, like, one or two players that have stood out 
in just the the overall play. Personally, I mean, I I think that we're seeing Andrew Burnett try to juggle things quite a bit more than he did in the regular season. Very Quenville-esque. When things weren't going well in Game 1, he put Barkoff, Huberto, Declare together. He did that in the first period of Game 2. I've had no issue with that. You know, you've got all these guys. You know they can play with one another. And eventually you can say, okay, we're going to go back to what we know. We're going to go back to our, you know, our quote-unquote standard lines. But, you know, I, I think the other thing is, like, for the guys that, you know, needed to show that they weren't overawed by the situation, like, I'm, I'm pleased particularly the, the one standout player is Bobrovsky. And I know some people think he gave up some bad goals in game one and maybe, but I think personally, before we get to him, I, I think just in general, they played a really solid overall, you know, game two was much better in that regard. But I think every four, like Barkov and Uberga got shut down in game one, but you can't shut him down for multiple games in a row. You're just not going to be able to. And it's a matter of what can you do to get that play going elsewhere. And in game two, you saw, everybody you know was playing with that jump right and that and that was and that was it was good to see and to me like i i you didn't expect mason marchment to kind of be the guy that does that but mason marchment's kind of the guy that i don't that, right I don't, I don't think it was i mean as much as i've, I've become a, a fan of marchment after not really knowing who he was i mean obviously i knew who he was because of his familiar con- connections but um you know, I, I was not necessarily a fan of him until he started doing what he was doing at, you know, the NHL level with the Panthers. But he, I think it was more that from game one to game two, they didn't panic. They kept with, you know, it. a lot of people... I, a lot of people were calling for like bag skates after game one, right? And what what happened? There was like five guys on the ice for the optional on Tuesday, and and fans were like, "Oh, we're 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 gonna get we're gonna lose these two games. What home ice advantage is gonna mean nothing? Like, what's gonna ha- you know? Are they gonna, they're gonna have to blow up the team? You know, like it was ridiculous. And I, I actually liked it because, you know, they just have to focus on trusting the process that if they go out and their next shift they do the little things they 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 you know each player does their own specific job in the situation whether they're the second four checker or the left wing or the you know defenseman or the power play quarterback or you know whatever um you know, if they all do their job in that little moment, shift to shift, it will all add up to a to enough wins in a series to move forward. And, and that's the whole thing. And if, you know, that's what I think Florida kind of showed, where in other series, I think they've been more apt to... Um, Your cat agrees been... with you. <laughs> yeah. Absolutely does. Well, no, like, I, I compared it to game two of the... I compared it to game two of the Tampa series... Because, I mean, that to me shows the growth of the team. Like, because you remember what happened in game two of that series, right? Like, they got trapped to death. And they didn't generate anything. Tampa sensed blood. And they knew, okay, the Panthers played out of their skins in game one, right? But, we won. Yeah, but now we know we can clamp They had it to down live on emotion. They, and they had to live on emotion to generate momentum shifts in a, in a series. And I think what they're showing now is 
they can, after a loss, they can pick it up and go forward just by sticking to their game. And I think for me, more so than the Marchman goal or, or a player roughing it up or anything, I think what it took was, honestly, Huberto and Barkov to start stringing it together and scoring. And, you know, the goals coming in, having a 2 nothing lead, having a 3-1 lead, feeling like you're getting those quality chances. And, and I think from there, it's like that, that's the proof in the pudding. You know, we've been talking to each other that if we stick with it, it will come. And, you know, and then that kind of sets up the rest of the playoffs. I, I don't want to say it was I think what was interesting about that, as you mentioned, was just like that one play, you know, I don't know if it changes the series. Like, because I picked Florida to win in six somewhat begrudgingly because we follow the Florida Panthers and until they win a series, I'm not going to believe they can win a series, even this team. But, yeah, I picked them in six too. Just, I mean, I usually pick six because that's like the only ones I'll pick five are, are if common. things are absolutely bena- like so lopsided, like Nashville, Colorado, because of and goaltending. Seven if it's a toss up. Seven, yeah, and I I picked a couple <laughs> seven game series. And the thing that I found interesting about that, from a Panthers perspective, was they like that play was like the play that only they can make, and you know it comes when you've scored a goal that's fluky. And then you make that play like that's not a fluke. That's an incredible skill play from two players that know each other so well. And that's, you know, that gives you that little boost. They're like, all right, we're there. And they didn't play particularly great in game one. I didn't think they were, I didn't think they were bad, but much, much, much better, you know. And eventually, I think the other thing that was pointed out is like when it was, you know, 4-1-5-1 by the end of that second period, they kept going. Like, you could tell the Capitals backed off a little bit, and the Panthers just kept going and going and going. And that was like, all right, now they're playing their game. And now they know, right? And now they know, okay, we can do this. Even in this situation, which is a little, obviously the game's over, but they played their game, and they started playing Panthers hockey. And that was what was, and that was, what was encouraging. And they're going to have to do that at some point in the two games in D.C. Like, I'm not sure they win both games in D.C., but if they play like they did, for the majority of game two, they're going to win at least one. Well, and... I, I think they have a – I think they – if I had to bet money, game four, I think they win. Game three, just because of the time of day, it occurs. I could, I could sure. see that. I could see but it. I, I, I think either way, it, it's one of those situations. They just have to, again, play within themselves, play the smart version of hockey I know that they can play. And if they do that, you could get the Capitals frustrated. Them not having Tom Wilson is a big deal. Like, Tom Wilson yeah. would have – the one thing about these two games Sucks that was noticeable, that, but, yeah. but what was really noticeable is you watch Carolina-Boston, it is nasty. You watch Toronto-Tampa, and it is nasty. This series hasn't been all that nasty. Like, we've seen Patrick Hornquist, you know, chirp some guys because he's played against the Capitals and he knows them. But other than that, it hadn't been that dirty. I don't think it's going to be. For for two reasons. One, just because they haven't really played that much since the beginning of the year, right? Like, yeah. I think they got their games out pretty early. Yeah, all the way in November. Yeah, second, uh, second, Washington knows, and I think Florida's thinking this themselves as kind of a strategy, but Washington knows that, like, it's it's a, a war of attrition over multiple series. They, they've won... They've gone deep multiple times, and when they haven't been able to make it, some of it has been because they've lost too much or they've expended too much energy just getting out of the first round. 
Um, so I think it's going to be contested. I think if you try to take, you know, liberties, you'll be, you know, push, there'll be a pushback, but I think it will all, it will all be within reason. And I think a lot of other, um, series has the potential to kind of be, you know, a little Looney Tunes in, in some of the <laughs> proportional responses. You responses could argue the other 3D series have been Looney Tunes series. I mean, yeah. I'm going, I'm, I'm flipping back and forth as we record this between Carolina, like, Boston, and Toronto, Tampa. Yeah, like, I mean, there was a, like, I don't, I don't know. There was a lot of ball in game one. Yeah, I don't know how that happened or why or whatever, but, you know, I, I just kept seeing the, the video on Twitter of, you know, the guy coming out with blood all over his forehead, you know, dripping off his forehead. It's like, game one really okay but again i also want both of the, whichever one of those teams wins to be as bloodied bruised and you know a mess limping as as possible same with carolina and boston it's, it's kind of great that of those four teams two of them have to go home in round one that's pretty we nice we said that at the start of the uh, yeah. at the start of the playoffs the one player i think that i do want to talk about is sergey Bobrovsky because as we mentioned you know, I think some people Back didn't on the like. Case. Oh boy, I, I think some people didn't like the goals they gave up in Game One. The, the latter okay. end of it, obviously, the power play goal was iffy. But otherwise, like, here's the other thing that changed from last year to this year. Sergey Bobrovsky may have given up a couple questionable goals. I didn't think they were that bad. I thought they were more defensive breakdowns than bad goals by Bobrovsky. But what? he has fought through a lot of that. And has played pretty on the balance. He's, I think he's played obviously better than Vanacek, but you know he's he's played good games in a row, consecutive good games. And there's a a, a quiet confidence from Andrew Bennett, like I'm not going to pull you. Don't look over here. You're going to be fine. Just just work through it. And I think Andrew Burnett being able to get the temperature of that situation as much as the temperature of his team is why this is why this I think is going a little differently because. You know, would, Joel, would, would, would last year's Panthers have kept Bobrovsky in after game one? I don't think. Like, I, we know what they did. I mean, I think they would – I would I would be really pissed off if they didn't. I think that would even be kind of out of the realm. But I'll say this about Bob. I, a lot of has been made about his postseason record and blah, blah, blah. But if I, you look at the goalie he's facing in round one this year and the goalie he faced in round one last year um, – Bobrovsky is the only one of those three goalies that has legal pads. <laughs> I'm, I'm uh, just going to be honest with you. Legal chest protector at the mo- at the least, and I would say that there's some other legal issues with the pants and pads. But I don't want to get into the specifics about what pads you're allowed to have around your knees and I'll things bring like Kevin that. I'll Woodley but, in for that one. Um, I, 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 that's my personal opinion. Not you know I'm not basing it on anybody else like Kevin Weeks hasn't brought it up or anything but I mean a lot of people have brought it up about Vasilevsky, um, but you know so there's that to to put it to to frame all of the lenses around I think the only bad goal he's given up was in game two actually yeah uh, like, I, I had that, no that issues with the goal, other two and he kind of no laughed it off two. and he kind of laughed it off because he was just like wow yeah like I was. I just wasn't expecting that or, you know, whatever. And, uh, you know, some people probably didn't like that he left it off. I normally wouldn't, but... Um, I think it shows that he's, he's yeah. in a better frame of mind from a confidence perspective than he was, you know, when he was being platooned. Like, he knows, even though this year they played a lot of Spencer Knight, he knows, all right, this is my team. I know 
unless I really screw up, this is my this is my crease. And yeah, I think I, that, that that's the that's the big difference. And it's much easier to play like that. With there that is conference. a lot more of like even when he was on his downswings, everything to me, like I I mean, one, I'm a big Bobrovsky guy, so that that just you know from the Flyers days that I just have to say that. But he this year it seemed like his swings of down and up were all lining up, especially down the later half, with a good playoff run. And he's such like kind of a, a very cerebral goalie, um, especially compared to a lot of just tech, the technical goalies of today. Um, and, you know, everything was kind of coming de- together down the stretch. And I just thought if he could get through the first five shots of, of game one, he'd be fine. Because, I mean, we've talked about how many times they've given up early goals, whether it's in the first five minutes or the first five shots or, you know, some early metric you want to you wanna look at. Um, and whether it's Knight or, or Bobrovsky. But um, for Bobrovsky, it was just if he can get through those first five shots, for me, everything would be pretty fine, and he was able to. So everything kind of built off of that, and he had a strong performance in game one. A lot, I think it's fair to say he might have been the best player in game one. And I'm somebody I think he was who, the best player for the Panthers in game one, and, yeah. And I didn't even think the game one was that bad. I mean, I think Florida did a lot of good things. They, they stuck to the plan. They supported each other. And that's something that Brunette's been harping on in the media, which means he wants his team to hear it. Um, that, you know, and so, I don't know. I, I've, been pretty, I've been pretty happy with Florida. I, it's, it's not great that it's 1-1 after two. I think it very easily could have been 2 nothing after two. But, um, you know, get out of this series in six in the last try to stay healthy uh and you you know by the time you get to round two you don't lose it you know it doesn't matter and i think that the important thing is they keep focusing on whatever happened whether it's last game last series last shift um it doesn't matter the next one if they do the little things it will be one block on the way to winning a stanley cup well one little step on the way to the stanley cup and if they focus on that, they have the talent, you know, and the support around them to actually win. So it's not just meaningless cliche stuff. You know, they could actually do it. So yeah. Um, it, so what it, do you want? What do you want to see in game in game three in the games in Washington? Because I it, mean, it's obviously they're on the road. It's going to be a different kind of um, situation because you're playing a different kind of game. But to me, you know, Washington's not a good home team. I think the record's like 19, 16, and 7. Yeah, they're better on the road. They're better on the road. They're a really and... good road team. They're just not a good home team. And I think the thing that you could do is, I'm not sure they need to jump on them because, I mean, they can. It depends on what goalie they play. But I think that they just, again, if they play within themselves, and the other thing that should be terrifying to Washington is they have not scored a power play goal yet, the Panthers. They've had some good looks. They haven't scored a power play goal yet. And if they get the power play going well, you know, I think that it's just a matter of, again, keeping it relatively simple. And I think at some point, 
you just have to have Washington force it a little bit, right? It, again, the Panthers, I think, were a team that was forcing it a little bit in, you know, in game in one and a little bit in game two. And once Washington was like, oh, oh, no, you know, then they started doing those things, right? Then they started taking the necessary risks or just Florida was a little bit faster to them. You know, at some point, right, you're going to also see the team's speed for the Panthers play in. I don't know when that's going to happen, but as the series goes on, if Washington gets tired, because obviously they don't have Tom Wilson, they're an older team, Panthers will have that speed advantage. And once that happens, I think that's going to really change the dynamic because I haven't seen them be the, you know, a crazy fast team in the first two games in the way that throughout the regular season they can be a crazy fast team. And I think maybe that changes as the series goes on. We'll see. It's, it's, it's an interesting dynamic. I hope so. I mean, I, I think, you know, first game three, what I'm hoping they do is get to the first five shots against. Again. Yeah, that would be nice. Um, that would be nice. You know, that's, you know, if they road game, get through the first period, doing your best to keep the ice neutral or tilt it in your favor, um, you know, just not giving up, the, you know, not giving up chances, trying to get some chances and test, you know, make sure you're testing the goalie, get some pucks on the goalie, um, stay out of the box, see see what the what the refs are calling, what they're not calling in game game three, uh, how they're dropping the pucks or faking dropping the pucks, taking out the floor Panther player, then dropping the puck, whatever you want to call it, um, and you know, you know, get get the rhythm of the game going and turn it on second period, third period, and be real unrelenting. Um, I think that's kind of what I'm looking for on a, on a Saturday afternoon at 1 p.m. Um, I think that's that's manageable. That's a manageable expectation. That's something you know, sh- short and sweet that they can kind of focus on and, and keep in mind as they play. Um, what they're what they're really gonna want to do though is is be able to enter the zone with possession more, to being a little, you know breaking down a little more to tactically what they need to be able to do to get to get to happen and kind of get loose and and with games three and four is to be able to without the last change get gain possession of the zone. To talk more, uh, and for that, I think what they need to do is not have guys jumping the zone. I think what they need to move the puck more than they move their feet on the breakouts, on the transition, and that's something that they're not used to. They're kind of used to having the puck carrier being the last person back, bringing it up with everybody kind of going in front of them, um, almost like a, like a power play breakout where they drop the puck back and everybody's waiting. Um, you've kind of seen that in the first couple games where, you know, and you see the ball with Huberto's line in the regular season where there's a lot of offsides, there's a lot of confusion kind of at that, that blue line as everybody's waiting for that puck to get there and cross the line. I think they need to move that puck up, get that puck over the line, uh, but have everybody right behind that. 
following. It should be an interesting couple games in Washington. I, I don't I don't know how it's going to end. I'm just glad that they responded from what was not a terrible game in game one, but they played much better in game two, and that's that was no, what yeah. was key. I mean, you you just needed to, they needed to learn the lessons from game one and apply it quickly, and they absolutely did that, and that I mean, is it, a big step. It helped. They got a little better officiating, whether it was icings being called, pucks being dropped in the faceoff dot, uh, penalties called or not called against. Um, and, you know, all that stuff goes a little way, hopefully. You know, next game they don't have a former first-round draft pick uh, by the Caps as a linesman. Um, little things like that would be nice moving oh, yeah. forward. Um, but I'm not really worried. I, so far I've seen what I needed to see out of Florida. And um, as far as I was concerned, you know, it was all about the postseason. So, you know... As much as I'm just kind of in support mode and, you know, just, you know, it, whether it's after a series or after, you know, while the game's happening, while the series is still live, it doesn't really make sense to get over analytical about it. We have all off season if it doesn't work out to do well, it. I think the other the other thing um, I want to point out is if if they don't win the series, which is possible, obviously, if they don't win the series or even if they don't win multiple series. The thing that I learned from Carolina and Tampa, and I was texting you this on Wednesday night when it was game twos for both of those teams, and Tampa played one of the worst playoff games I've ever seen on Monday in game one. They were awful. Not playing much better as we speak, but they then responded in game two playing a very typical Tampa Bay Lightning game. And Carolina, what happened when they've had some playoff failures? They, they stuck to what they know. They stuck to what their plan is. The Capitals did the same. The Panthers just have to understand, and I hope fans understand this, if things don't go well, this team's set up to be fine. The, the long-term bones are there. They can make adjustments, obviously, and they'll learn as time goes on what they need to do to be a little bit smarter and a little bit better. This is only the second playoff series for this group. I don't count the bubble as anything. So they've got plenty of time to figure it out. Uh, I mean, again, and relatively speaking. But can they keep, you know their focus and realize we, we are a good team. We might struggle at times in games, but we are a good team. And in the end, if we believe in what we're doing, we know we can beat anybody because we've done it. And they have. They've proven that very little phases them. You know, their coach had to resign. So far, yeah. He kind of, co- you know, it's not so covertly said sexual abuse is not a reason to report someone to the police. You know, I mean, like the... the well, and, not at least until after you win the cup. And I uh, Yeah. But like the point is, you know, as long as they can continue to play within themselves and be smart within themselves, they're going to have any chance to beat anybody they go up against. And I don't think they're intimidated by that. I think they're embracing the challenge a little more. Last year, I think they were a little intimidated going up against Tampa. Yeah. This year, I'm not sure they're intimidated by the challenge. You know, the we've, two we've teams, seen... the two teams in the East, I think that that could beat them this year, are in much harder series. And, um, you know, it's, that's a good thing. Even though Carolina's up 2 nothing, I still think they're in a harder series and it might be a lot closer by the end of it, you know? I mean, yeah. I, I, I think Carolina could really frustrate them down the stretch if they get that far. I think whoever they play in the second round, if they get that far, Toronto or Tampa is going to be difficult. There, but. there is a great post-game 
presser by uh, Charlie Coyle after Boston lost the first game. Just about, you know, knowing, you know, Boston's been there before, they know what they need to do, and it's it's not so much about what happens or what has happened in a season or in a series. It's about, you know, knowing that anything can happen and one game can be, you know, the watershed moment that starts the, you know, the house of cards crumbling for the other side. Um, and anything can it can happen so quickly, you know, we, it's, it's moments, you think right? about, you know, Chicago winning the cup with like what, three seconds left or, you know, so there's, there's a lot of different thing, fans of different teams that'll have a moment in their head. If they're lucky enough to be in the playoffs more than the Panthers, they probably have a few um, where everything kind of changed because of one bounce of the puck, you know, one way. If, if the puck didn't go off the glass so weird and, go in the air right to Adam Henrique, the Panthers probably win a series in, in 2012. I know there's a lot of people who think they could go on a deep run, but I think it probably would have ended in the second round. But it would have been nice to beat the Devils, right? Um, I mean, like, yeah, yeah, there's, how, about, you know, how about that Islanders situation yeah. in 2016? If they called the so, tripping penalty that they should have called, the Panthers win game six, and we go play yeah. game seven, what happens? But there's, there's those types of moments that happen in games one, two, three, four, all the way that kind of all turn the tide or all add up to turn the tide in a series. Um, and so far, I think, you know, game one, Washington, I don't think won the run of play, but they won the big moments of play. And yeah. that won them the game. Abso- you are absolutely correct with that. And second game, Florida won the run of play and the big moments, and that's why it was 5-1 instead of a little more contested 4-2, you know. Empty yeah. net situation, yeah. things like that. And, like, that's the thing. And the thing that's good about the Panthers is they've got a number of players who can make moments happen. And that's yep. going to be important as we, as we go. And they've got nine forwards who can reasonably create moments, right? They've got, you know, almost all their D can reasonably create moments. Things like that. When you yeah. have that many players who can create moments, you're going to be in good shape. And, but, and as I yeah, and and as much as you know, they have all those resources. It was nice to see that Brunette's kind of sticking to a structure in his changes. It's not a blender. It's it's you know plan. It's option A. It's option B. It's option C. Or you know look A, look B, look C, and he kind of shuffles between them. And you know he's bringing in Achari and he's dropping down Giroux. Because it'll help settle Lindell. And then look what happens. Lindell and Marchman have a more visible game. You know, Achari helps the fourth line turn the tide and and You were absolutely right about Achari. Yeah, I mean, like, when when Achari came in on the fourth line, you know, Lomberg is good for chaotic energy and a spark. and, and And, you know, him and Achari can both finish the puck. I don't know who's better at it. I don't really care. Um, they both can do it enough. Uh, so, you know, when Achari came in, I think it's stable that fourth line where they're controlling the play and they're cycling off on the shift change and getting the first line or second, you know, one of the other lines that can score to come onto the ice with that puck and puck possession in the offensive zone. 
Whereas I think with Lomberg in game one, he was putting the other lines, whether it was the first, second, or third, on the ice in the defensive zone. Um, I, I, don't, think, I don't know I think, if it, I think we, Ryan we Lomberg might be at times a little too – like in a certain Lomberg, situation, I understand but, why you'd want to have that. But right now, like yeah, I, I, I don't know if you can blame that. it all on Lomberg, but I think when you put a Chari in who's a veteran who – He's basically an NHL player because he's he's savvy with his puck management, um, and he's basically a center in the way he thinks. So you're adding another center onto the line versus a winger. So you're gonna have a, you're gonna have a little better puck management. Uh, so it's not so much what Lomberg does; it's just that Achari does so much more proactively to to help prevent and to help keep stabilized and keep things moving in the right direction for that next line so you can build that momentum and, and, and wear down, you know, what the Caps lavy lock, as they like to call it on ESPN last night. They did. They did. And so that's what we've got for you for games one and two. Keep your eye out after games three and four. Whether it be after both games or just one, we'll have more for you. I apologize. I am a little sick, and I also want to eat and watch the other games. So... Hope you enjoyed this. We've got more coming on Why Hockey. Uh, right, and we will eventually. Before you sign off, though, give me your one Panther who makes a difference Saturday afternoon for Game 3. I think, to me, you know who I think it's going to be? I think it's going to be Sam Reinhart. He's been a little, I mean, other than the one play, like, it's, it's one of those, like, he's lurking in the weeds. He's waiting. It's either him or Anthony Duclair. It's one of those two. Whether it's Duclair's speed or Reinhardt getting his stick in on one of those power play tips that haven't worked yet, you know, on an Ekblad point shot. It's going to be one of those two. I think those are the two forwards where I haven't, like, like, okay, there's a moment. Whether it be a goal or whether it be a play, I haven't seen, like, a moment from them yet where I'm like, all right, they've made their imprint on the series. Reinhardt made a great pass to Lundell, but that was set up by Verhage doing all of the hard work, right, to keep that puck in. Yeah. I think it's one, I think it's one of those two because those I- two are the ones that they have – I think they've got a little something more to give. Yeah, Reinhardt's a good pick. Uh, I was going to go with Duclair too. Uh, I don't want so I'll think of somebody else. Uh, let's. I think Gudis. I think Gudis will be comfortable in that Washington building, and he'll be able to set that tone in that first period to make sure that Florida stays in and has the opportunity to you know get their offense rolling, get the off the rush offensive chances going. And uh, I think at the end of the game, they're going to win. Gudis is going to have a good 18, 19 minutes of ice time. This is the nicest you've ever been to Radko Gudis in the history of Y hockey. Uh, he's been, he's, he had a couple decent plays in the playoffs. I'll give him that. So this isn't just, you know, out of a hat. Fair enough. Fair enough. Uh, enjoy game three. You're going to enjoy it more than I will because I'll be watching that and Tottenham Liverpool at the same time while also possibly sick. So... Congrats, everybody. You'll have a much better time Saturday. You must be sick. You're a Tottenham fan. Oh, I'm very ill. I mean, have you seen the other teams I root for? Anyway, appreciate you all tuning in. We've got more coming, and it's good night and good hockey.